RadioInfluence.com. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, T.J. Reed. We're off with a brand new month. As we like to joke around, it is the month of October for our underdogs in college football and the NFL. Three Dog Thursday back on the airwaves via Radio Influence, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, etc. We're proud to be back, and we're proud to give you some underdogs. Here he is, senior handicapper, VegasInsider.com, a man that hit two of those underdogs. Thank you, Northwestern. Thank you, Cincinnati Bengals, for Kevin Rogers, who's back with me for another week. Good to have you, sir. Yes, very good to be back once again. And yeah, it's nice to hit two of three this past week. You know, now the first month of the season's in the books for college football and the NFL. So... Now let's see what we can do for October, in which we have so many things going on. We have NHL, we have Major League Baseball playoffs, college football, NFL. It's a lot. So I will try to stay on top of all of it. We try to digest all of this as it's going on and in real time. Again, you were successful with those two. I was successful with Penn State, which narrowly covered despite the debacle at the end of the game on their final drive with missing the fourth down. I took Penn State. Looked like I was going to have an outright winner, but once again, the game is never over as, as they gave up the lead, leading 27-14 in the fourth quarter at home, and Ohio State finds a way to beat them by one point for the second straight year. So let's let's just pick up on that. I mean, last week at this time, I was ranting about Mario Cristobal, who's got some experience, not not a, an overwhelming amount of experience as a head coach, but his clock management at the end of Oregon and Stanford, I still I don't know that I'm fully over that yet, although Oregon went on to 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 win a game this week and Stanford ends up losing to Notre Dame but still let's let's fast forward now to two situations we're right on with Penn State and Ohio State James Franklin at the end of regulation uh within within field goal range or getting close to it they have to go for it on fourth down because they're on the fringe of field goal range and he burns not one but two timeouts and then comes up with just a play that you shake your head on. All right, Kevin, I want your thoughts. You can tell where I'm coming from here. Uh, what about the end of the game clock management from Penn State this t- this past weekend? Well, first of all, blowing, what, a 13-point lead at the end of that game is inexcusable, first of all. I mean, I understand it's Ohio State, but still, you can't be, that game should be in the bag. It should be done. You should win that game. Now you talk about the fourth down play. Yeah, even though McSorley had been running the ball very well, you got to find a way to move to advance the ball through the air and not be running the ball against that Ohio State defense. And yeah, it, it really it really is amazing how a lot of these coaches they get paid all this money. And unfortunately, we always go back to that. You know, USA Today released the latest uh, what the coaches make and their buyouts all they're like for all that money you better be a genius you better be making you know uh good decisions and yeah it's a really bad loss for penn state and it's going to fall on james franklin you know and he can he can give all he wants the press conferences we have to be better all this other stuff no man you, you blew a 13 point lead in the fourth quarter at home you gotta close that out you gotta find a way to do it and your team didn't do it so now basically your season's over you know you're gonna go to a good bowl but you're probably not going to finish the top four. And if you would have won that game, you could have finished the top four, and it changes everything. Well, and and keep in mind, uh, look, he's had success. They won the Big Ten championship game a couple of years ago. They did lose the Rose Bowl after that when they lost to USC. Uh, he's revitalized that program. But I thought in that press conference, you know, everybody got so enamored with it, and, and this is part of what we do on Three Dog Thursday. We give you opinion. I thought he was trying to totally deflect off of his own poor decisions repeatedly where he didn't go for it on fourth down late in the game and, and elected to punt and, and play field position, and Penn State went, what, like 97 yards almost immediately and took the lead. And then again, the clock management at the end, you have all three of your timeouts left when McSorley got tackled on the third down inbounds. They could have run up to the line. There's a minute and a half left in the game and run a fourth down play. And if it doesn't work, you can stop the clock three times with all of your timeouts. He took a timeout there 
to stop the clock. They then talked about it, and he took another timeout, the second timeout, to talk about it a second time after he saw the defense. It's almost like analysis paralysis. It's almost, you think it's fair, Kevin, that they took too long trying to decide what to do, and basically when you're dealing with 19, 20, 21-year-olds, you almost pollute them, if that's the right word, with we don't know what to do here. By, by what you're doing with taking multiple timeouts to talk about it, you're almost putting, in some ways, putting it in their head, um, the idea that we're not sure. We're completely unsure. You almost discourage them before they ever go run the play. So, yeah, I, he did a great job of saying, well, hey, if that means a kid has to go and take notes in every meeting for us to be great – well, what about a head coach that understands I don't have to take a second timeout because we may need to stop the clock again if we don't make this? That's the same thing. Clock management 101 with, uh, with deflecting off of this. And it's, it's the same thing at the end of the Florida State-Louisville game, which one of our guests coming up here on Three Dog Thursday, Anthony Beck, ESPN television broadcaster for college football. He worked the game. I'll let him. He was right there. Uh, watching as Louisville inexplicably on a first down in the plus 20 territory on the verge of at least having a field goal while up by three, threw the ball on first down with Florida State having only one timeout left, and the Knolls picked it off, and within a couple of plays, DeAndre Francois, the quarterback, hits Nyquan Murray, the receiver over the middle. They're in the end zone, and everybody is stunned at Louisville. But again, Kevin, it's the same kind of thing where clock management bites a coach in this instance. Bobby Petrino's been a coach for the better part of 15 years in major college football and briefly in the NFL. You've you've got to understand timeouts and game situation and how in the world does the quarterback have any authority to call a pass play there? That should be an order from from up high. Uh you're only running the ball here and we and we may even kneel on the ball once to kill the clock. Well, two things. One, just to follow up on the Franklin point, and even, I guess, on Petrino a little bit, is, and I hate to again, go back to this, but, yeah, you're the highest paid person at the university. you got to take the responsibility, like, all the time. It's on you. You're making five, six million a year, three million a year. It's on you. It's your fault. You know, in the end, for the most part, it's your fault, or at least if it's not your fault, you take the responsibility because it, you're the guy representing the program. Now, as far as the Louisville game goes, I didn't watch it live, the Louisville-Florida State game, and I heard about it. Then on Monday, I saw the replay on ESPNU, and I'm thinking to myself as I'm watching, right before the interception, Louisville gets the first down, they get down to the 20. And I said, how did they lose? Like, what happened? And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, how did they do this? And then everyone was talking about the pass, and I saw, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it now. I saw the pass on first down, and I think, yeah, they're – I can't believe that the quarterback is throwing the ball there. And I don't know if that's Petrino trying to, I don't know what that is, but I don't care who you're playing. You run the ball on first down. You know, you do on second down, you run the ball. Then you do on third down, you run the ball. You try to run the clock, let them use timeouts and try to kick a field goal. And you're in great shape. Instead, to throw a pick and then FSU like two plays later scores a touchdown. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's as inexplicable of a defeat. Because you know what? It's twofold for that. Louisville's had a bad season. They win that game. Okay, you beat Florida State. You're feeling good about yourself. Florida State is done. They're 0-3 in the ACC. Now, all of a sudden, they're not dead yet. They're 1-2. and If they could somehow beat Miami on Saturday, they could salvage their season. They'd be 2-2 two and two in the conference. They'd have a winning record. They'd be in good shape. So just a change of fortune for both those programs where FSU would be totally buried and Louisville could have maybe come back and make some of their season, but they couldn't do it. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild how Willie Taggart, everybody was after him, and the, the reversal of fortune in the last minute and a half or two minutes of regulation. Now he gets a little breathing room. You've got the rivalry game this week. Will either one of us take – those Florida State Seminoles for Three Dog Thursday purposes coming up here in a couple of moments. Let's find out. In fact, let's begin. Let's begin with the college football. And Kevin Rogers, uh, go ahead. Do you have an underdog for me this week that you like? I have done this in years past, TJ, and you know that I don't mind rolling the dice. I don't mind <laughs> digging deep. I, I feel like... Uh, like in Beetlejuice, they're getting the shovels out and they're digging deep, and then Michael <laughs> Keaton's going to fly out of the sky. This is what's going to be. Now, 
I'm going with the Nebraska Cornhusker. Oh! What in the name of Scott Frost has drawn you to Nebraska this week against Wisconsin? They're 0-4, and you know what? I loved Purdue last week. Obviously, it didn't matter for the show because Purdue was a favorite, but I loved Purdue when I saw them laying points in the road and Scott Frost saying, this is the game we're going to get. We're going to get Purdue, and Purdue just stomped on them in, in Lincoln. And now they're 0-4, and it seems like they're done. Their last road game, Michigan destroyed them. But you know what? This could be the week to take Nebraska. Now they're getting almost three touchdowns. Wisconsin's coming off a nice road win at Iowa, and they bounce back from the loss the, the prior week to BYU. This Wisconsin team is 0-3 against the spread at home this year. And I just think that Nebraska, I mean, they've been bad this year, but you know what? This could be a good spot for them. They, yeah, they've been terrible. Like, like there's no, there's no two ways about it, but now you're getting 18 points. I guess Wisconsin team, this isn't Michigan. I mean, yeah, Wisconsin can score. They run the ball very well, but, I think Nebraska can hang in this one, and, and I'm going to take the points with them. Well, Jonathan Williams, a running back, is outstanding, and Nebraska's just had quarterback problems because of injuries, having to play the walk-on. I mean, you're aware that Scott Frost can't suit up 20 years later and, and go play quarterback for the Huskers uh, like he did 20, you know, 20, 25 years ago. Uh, so that's not going to happen for him, unfortunately. But uh, we'll see. I mean, you have made some wild predictions of underdogs that have come through in the past i should caution the audience pay attention here and it is a lot of points here for this matchup and it may uh, wait a minute i kind of smell i kind of sense it's part of a theme for this week too with some of the college underdogs where you go to an unlikely team uh, to go for in fact i'm going to come out of that same ilk so interesting because a lot of the luster is off scott frost right now at nebraska after this 0-4 start we were talking about willie taggart being in trouble at florida state or chip kelly being winless at ucla for example the luster right now off scott frost as well off the magical unbeaten season at ucf they haven't been able to win a game michigan destroyed them uh when they played them a couple of weeks ago so there are some question marks um that's for sure. We'll see if Nebraska can get their act together and just remember where you heard it here as uh, as Kevin Rogers is talking about those Nebraska Cornhuskers on Three Dog Thursday. All right, I'll get to a couple of underdog predictions in a moment. Now, before we go on, Kevin, let's talk a little bit about Vivid Seats, proud sponsor here on Three Dog Thursday. We've got all the excitement of the college football season that is well underway. And whether we're talking about the big showdown with Florida and LSU at the Swamp, or the Red River rivalry that we're going to be talking about a little bit more, Texas and Oklahoma at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas this weekend. No matter where those big college games are being played, or even in the NFL, Vivid Seats is the place to look for those tickets. Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace. It's dedicated to you, the sports fan, and all of the great venues. They offer great prices, easy purchasing experience at VividSeats.com and the Vivid Seats mobile app. And again, football is back in the swing of things. You can go to VividSeats.com and again, find tickets to all of these great games that are going on throughout the weekend in college and pro football. And I want you to remember this promo code, INFLUENCE. INFLUENCE is the promo code right now for the month of October to save 10% off of your order. So this offer is good right now, 10% off of your order with the promo code INFLUENCE. And of course, at Vivid Seats, they make the checkout process easy. Their uh, tickets are guaranteed, 100% backed. Again, you can go on there right now online. I mean, check out the Jets-Broncos game in the NFL at the Meadowlands or all the way out in Seattle. We're going to be talking more about the Rams and that matchup with the Seahawks. Uh, no matter where the games are, Vivid Seats, vividseats.com, and the Vivid Seats mobile app is where you want to go. Again, one more time, remember the promo code is INFLUENCE. INFLUENCE is the promo code to save an additional 10% off for our listeners here as part of Three Dog Thursday. You can be there in person, root on your underdogs with Vivid Seats, vividseats.com, the Vivid Seats mobile app. All right, so I kind of tipped my hand. You took an underdog. I am going to take an underdog as well, and I like the Texas Longhorns in the Red River rivalry here with the Oklahoma Sooners. Kevin Rogers, are you aware of the stat about the Horns 
as an underdog in this series recently with Oklahoma. You want a little more knowledge here about the uh, the sure, yes. Let's yes, let's talk about the last five years only. The last five years only, Texas an underdog in every one of the matchups with Oklahoma. Obviously, four of those Bob Stoops led Sooner teams. Lincoln Riley, the uh, the second year coach, was the coach a year ago in what was a narrow win. Um, uh, last year's game finishing as a 29 to 24 game in each of the last five years texas has covered in this game including two outright victories Uh, tom herman now the coach in his third season at texas shane erlinger the quarterback for the horns they've had a good start to the season i look at this game i know kyler murray was fantastic he torched baylor last week for seven touchdowns but this is a rivalry game and we talk about all the time on three dog thursday when rivalry games happen it doesn't matter about records it doesn't matter about who's been playing well as of as of yet or as of late Give me the Texas Longhorns. If you're going to give me eight points in a rivalry game where they have consistently covered and they've won two of the games, they won as a double-digit underdog a couple of years ago with Charlie Strong in this game. It looked like Charlie Strong was going to save his job. They were a 16-point underdog back in the 2015 game and won the game. I like Texas, so give me the eight points. Early start, noon Eastern time, 11 a.m. local time start in the Red River rivalry. I will go hook them horns here. Uh, how nuts am I to go against that offense and Kyler Murray and Oklahoma who've been lighting everybody up? I, I I like the horns, Kevin, this week. I don't think there's anything to be nuts about in what we do. They take a shot, and the only time it could be nuts is if you took Minnesota minus 17 and a half against Buffalo a few weeks ago. That turned out to be nuts. <laughs> and it turned out to be a great pick. And Buffalo may go on to win only one game. How about that? If they go on to win one game the rest of the year, it's a dramatic long uh, uh you know long underdog huge underdog upset of the vikings if that is the case all right so am i correct that you're going to save two underdogs for the nfl in our final segment of the show is that correct yes i am all right so we'll wait for kevin rogers to give us two pro doggies later on in the program we want to tell you by the way coming up to anthony becht will be here espn college football analyst also works uh, some in the nfl with the new york jets and their coverage in the preseason tv and on radio and i've known anthony for the better part of about 15 years does a lot of stuff in and around the tampa bay area with the buccaneers and buccaneers.com so i look forward to talking college and nfl with him we're also going to sneak on a conversation with price atkinson from the yards and stripes service academy football podcast love prices work talking army navy and air force football with air force and navy playing in colorado springs commander-in-chief trophy matchup game i want to talk to him about air force being the underdog this week in that matchup so that's later on in the show kevin i like virginia tech in a matchup with notre dame and as as crazy as you put it out there with nebraska against wisconsin i think there are reasons why to take virginia tech first of all what do you make of Notre Dame? Have you seen them some against Michigan or whether it was that game with Stanford last week? They've gone to a different quarterback, Ian Book, the last couple of weeks. He's looked good. Do you make anything out of the Irish to this point in the season? I mean, I think you have to. You know, I mean, beating Michigan and Stanford at home are very strong victories. They had that huge scoring output against Wake Forest on the road. I mean, you have to look at what they've done and say, you know, Notre Dame has been pretty impressive. And you know, obviously they don't belong to a conference. They play a lot of ACC teams like they're playing this week with Virginia Tech. So, you know, that's something that, you know, they'll be tested there. I know they play Florida State later on in the season. But I, how could you not be impressed with what they're doing? And, and they're it seems like they're in the mix right now. And it's going to be a tough game against Virginia Tech. Well, and you've got a, a coach in Brian Kelly that's got a ton of experience. And he's had Notre Dame. Uh, in this kind of position about three other times in the regular season. Remember the 2012 season, they got all the way through unbeaten and then got destroyed by Alabama in the championship game. But, I mean, that was a year where they beat Oklahoma at Oklahoma, for example, and beat USC at USC uh, as well. So uh, in this case, though, they put Wimbush, the quarterback, on the bench. Book has looked good throwing it, looked great in the second half last week against Stanford. But something says to me Virginia Tech, a team, Kevin, that lost to Old Dominion, a couple of weeks ago, they are a perfect lying-in-wait underdog at home in Blacksburg to me. Justin Fuente is a good coach. Speaking of backup quarterbacks, because of injury, they had to go to a backup quarterback, Ryan Willis, last week at Duke. Willis played great, threw for 300 yards and three touchdowns. 
at home, Saturday night, national television in Blacksburg, that Bud Foster defense, I think they will be jacked. And I think we will see a, a Virginia Tech outright upset of Notre Dame. That's the thing where everybody's trying to pencil in Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, Notre Dame, or Oklahoma in the title game. I, I, I think there will be upsets. There always are that are going to happen as October gives way to November. Give me Virginia Tech on the Saturday night at home with the Fighting Irish. I will take them and gladly take the six and a half points as the underdog in this matchup. All right, so there we go with the underdogs that we're taking. You and I actually don't have an opinion on this game. It is Florida and LSU uh, coming in the swamp. Uh, Florida is actually the home dog coming off of back-to-back road wins. Everybody jacked in the Bayou state of Louisiana for what LSU is doing. Uh, Kevin, that's going to be a knockdown drag out. That may not be a very high-scoring SEC tilt. Uh, that, that one might end up being like 9-7 or 7-6, old-school SEC football. Are you looking forward to that game without an opinion on, on Florida or LSU? Well, it'll be a good game. And, you know, let's see how Florida responds coming back home. I mean, Interestingly enough, they're 0-1 at home in the conference, losing to Kentucky, but yet they're 0-2 on the road, or, or 2-0 rather, on the road. So, you know, they're coming off a nice win against Mississippi State last week, and you know what, LSU, not going to be easy at all. And that defense for Florida, very underrated. LSU, again, has got the uh, the power running game. they got the Ohio State transfer quarterback, uh, Joe Burrow. So let's see how that one plays out at the Swamp. Again, I'm staying away from that one for Three Dog Thursday, as is Kevin. We'll see how our college underdogs do. Kevin, stand by. We're going to come back to you a little bit later on in the program and talk some NFL underdogs. When we continue on Three Dog Thursday, Anthony Becht will be here, ESPN College football analyst, to talk some about that Florida State-Louisville game that he worked last week. I want to find out from Beck the best team that he has seen so far that he's eyeballed this season to this point. That is all coming up as we roll on on this edition of Three Dog Thursday. Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. We are back in. I look forward every week to getting to chat it up, not only with Kevin Rogers from VegasInsider.com, but different guests that we bring on, and they are always gracious to come on with their time. This guy's hopping around everywhere. I have much love for the NFL veteran, the former number one pick of the Jets, former West Virginia Mountaineer. He is Anthony Beck, uh, who is back along with me doing a little radio. Good to catch up with you on the air here. How you been? How are things? My man, doing great, TJ. It's uh, been a minute since I saw you, so it's great to talk to you and be on. Uh, great, man. You know, listen, football season is busy season for me, so uh, whether it's NFL, college, or whatever in between, uh, I'm trying. I'm sticking my finger on it, so uh, it's fun, and uh, wouldn't have it any other way. Okay, so you know, before you have come on, we have already made mention of the end of the Florida State Louisville game, <laughs> and what? And you're, you're laughing in the background. You were working a game with Beth Mowens and crew for ESPN. Point blank to you, how stunned were you that Petrino elects to to send in a play, or or even has a play on where they can throw the ball? When it's first down and Florida State's virtually dead and out of timeouts, how shocked were you last Saturday? I mean, what are you doing? I mean, look, and, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way. You know, Bobby Petrino is a very, very educated and smart offensive coordinator, offensive-minded guy, but he dropped the ball there. And I'll tell you why. You know, it really comes down to one thing. Your quarterback, and you know, his nickname's Puma, Puma Pass, is a sophomore. And he was given the reins to the quarterback position to start the season. Expectations were pretty high. I mean, they felt like they had a guy that could throw the football. And for whatever reason, it has not panned out for him. And he started the season, then they pulled him, then they brought him back in. His confidence level has been really shot. And and Bobby and Coach Petrino said that in our coaches' meeting. So you go out there, you haven't scored a point in the first half in any game leading up to Florida State. And you basically, to that point, your quarterback has played lights out, basically torching the Florida State defense, passing the football. You haven't had any success with him until this game, doing it against a very unexperienced but very athletic defense in Florida State. And you go and you tell your sophomore at the end of the game when you have a running gap back that had been clicking the last couple quarters, 
that we're going to pass the ball on first down when you've had this game in the hand, like you said, and you did not run it and try to run the clock down. It just fathoms my mind. It's disappointing, and I feel like he let his, his young quarterback down and his team because he asked him to do something that, quite honestly, didn't need to be done, and it cost him the football game. And I'm glad, you know, it, it's a learning experience, I guess, because giving the ball back to DeAndre Francois, who was really starting to catch fire late in that football game, yep. that was a huge mistake, huge mistake. And let's pick up on that very point because Louisville's misfortune is suddenly Florida State uh, rising from the from the ashes. They were in the grave. They got the dirt. They dusted the dirt off of them and got up out of the hole. And DeAndre Francois with the electric touchdown pass to Nyquan Murray. I mean, again, Anthony, take us back to last Saturday. I mean, in the booth, you, you're not rooting. You're not taking sides. But you had to be going, holy cow, did this game turn on basically two or three plays. Yeah, I mean, I was, you know, Florida State had not really clicked early on in the football game. In the second half, DeAndre Francois, they basically said, go win the game for us and go do something. And he was spreading the ball around, you know, the offensive line, much maligned, if any offensive line in the country. Uh, they were actually picking up blocks, picking up blitzes, and he was slicing and dicing. And then the series, to be quite honest with you, that, you know, not to get just Bobby Petrino, but I, I, I can't let, uh, leave uh, Coach Taggart off the hook. The series before the, the 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 series that Louisville got the ball back and caused the interception, you know, they still had the score and they ran to start the series. They ran a reverse to uh, Nyquan Murray, who ended up having to make something out of nothing. Then they did a double reverse, which you were trying to pass from, and they get knocked back six yards to make it third and whatever long. And I'm thinking to myself, what are we doing? Your quarterback is in a game, he's doing his thing, and you're taking it out of his hands. Your running game hasn't been sparked, and you're doing all these crazy plays. And I'm just thinking to myself, wow, like, what, what are we trying to do? Get the ball down the field. Give it to your weapons. Let them make plays. Their passing game's where it's at. And he got off the hook. So, well, we were talking about Bob Petrino making a crucial mistake. Kind of got really tired off the hook on that one. And then, obviously, Francois comes back and makes – a fantastic play to his top receiver, Murray, and they go down the field at 74 yards or whatever in two plays. Yeah, and, and, and it really calms everything down at least for another week in Tallahassee. I, I wonder, I mean, they've got their work cut out for them. They're more than a double-digit underdog, but it's a rivalry game against Miami. Do you think, just looking at the crystal ball, does Florida State have a puncher's chance here? Can they win a couple of more ACC games? Can they get better? Can they improve based on what you saw last Saturday? I think it's, it depends on who they play against. You know, you looked at them against Syracuse in the defensive line, which is very penetrating, athletic, hitting the gaps. They could not handle that. Their offensive line right now is not built for that kind of player, especially with the tempo. They're very confused. Even though it's easier to block in the spread, it's difficult with the tempo when you have moving pieces, and that's not in their wheelhouse right now up front. And as I look at Miami, again, an athletic front, you know, they can be aggressive, but they have a good mixture of athletic system as athleticism, and I think with some calculated blitz packaging, they could be a huge disruption, and you could almost go back now to where Florida State was from a protection standpoint. They have made gains, but it's only been against, you know, Northern Illinois and, of course, Louisville, who's depleted and didn't have their best pass rusher in that football game. So uh, it's good to have and build success there, but it, it could be a huge, huge, uh, you know, misconception to think that with that improvement they will automatically be in this football game so they're going to have to clean it up and they're going to have to make it real simple up front so at the end DeAndre Francois can have a chance if he gets time now he's going to slice and dice he's that kind of kid and they got those kind of weapons and they can do it against Miami but the athleticism up front and the temper they go in hasn't matched up and Miami's that kind of defense and it may be tough for them in this football game that's the voice of Anthony Beck. Love his insight. You can follow him on Twitter at Anthony Beck. And also, he's got a new podcast I want to tell you about as well. You catch him on ESPN's coverage of college football. My man is everywhere. I want to talk some pro football here in a couple of moments. I got much love for this guy. All right, a couple more on the college game. If I said to you, out of all the games you've worked so far in the first four or five weeks of the season, who's the best team to this point that you've worked a game on, that you've laid your eyes on, and why? Who would that team be? Yeah, you know, listen, I've seen Georgia twice, and uh, I'm impressed with what I see. Uh, offensively, you know, they have some big, rugged offensive linemen that like to pound uh, and, and attack defenses. 
they're, they're built right now downhill, and they got three running backs in the wheelhouse that can that can give you a variety of different things through the weapons and the talents that they have and skill sets with Swift and Cook and, and Holyfield. Uh, Jake Fromm is as smart and as calculated a quarterback as there is in football. Uh, I think he may be one of the best minds at the line of scrimmage pre-snap that there are uh, with the amount of uh, things that Jim Chaney, the offensive coordinator, puts on his plate and allows him to really hone into and learn. He really does have the answers to the test when you throw the defense at him, and that's what makes it special. And they have weapons on offense. Defensively, they've had to replace some guys. Obviously, Rokon Smith, the one of the best players in college last year. Uh, they have a collection of really talented linebackers, and they all play. Defensive line is big, athletic, and good enough to get the job done. The secondary, I think, is where they're going to you know, really shine when they start potentially meet up with, uh, with an Alabama uh, or the LSU teams moving forward. Alabama will obviously only be in the, in the conference championship game, but that's where I think they can separate themselves and make some plays and uh, that'll be the interest. Can they get through the rest of their schedule and get that head-to-head matchup with what we think is going to be Alabama in the conference championship? That's the voice, uh, again, of Anthony Becht here, who will be working Clemson and Wake Forest. One more on this. It, it seems Alabama, far and away, will be in the college football playoff. That's a given. Georgia, more than likely, if they're in the SEC title game and they're undefeated, I think you agree with me, they're more than likely in. Clemson, kind of the clear path, too. Is, there, is it fair to say right now that they're there's maybe only one slot open for an Oklahoma or an Ohio State or whoever else it is that if those three that we're talking about, Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, all win, they're, they're going to be in the playoff. Fair? Yes? Yeah, I mean, look, if Clemson wins out and wins their conference, even though it's weak, uh, they're in. So you're, they're in no matter what. Uh, if Alabama clearly goes through this thing, wins out, and wins a close conference championship, they're in. Or vice versa, I believe if it's close, they're still in. So both of those teams, if they both run the table, Georgia, Alabama, which they could because they don't play each other, and then they have a close, outstanding game uh, in, in that conference championship, it would be hard-pressed for me to say that both of those teams don't deserve. So with that, there's three, okay, in that scenario. And, you know, can no one's ran the table in the Big 12. It's been a minute. Now, they got in with a loss last year, uh, but you may have to – who's going to run the table? Is it a Notre Dame? Is it a potential Big 12 candidate? So right. they all could run the table and make it play. You could have five undefeated teams. I don't expect that. But, uh, I mean, it, it could be it, it could be crazy. But, uh, you know, Georgia and Alabama, to me, if they were to meet head-to-head, that's your biggest scenario where do you allow that other team uh, to get in even with a close loss. And if it's not a close loss, you know, what do you say? Are they out? So it just really depends how moving forward that ends up. Well, and look at last year because everybody had everybody e-ticketed. Uh, Clemson overcame a loss to Syracuse, who was not very good. Ohio State, though, lost to a bad Iowa team, and they couldn't overcome it. I was there when Washington lost in Tempe to a bad Arizona State team. They couldn't overcome it. So the, the there are losses coming, and you know this too, Anthony. There are losses coming that are going to mess this up over the course of the next eight or nine weeks, so stand by. Uh, for that part. All right, to the NFL, you also have affiliation having played with both the Jets and the Buccaneers, working on Buccaneers coverage, Jets coverage. You were actually in Jacksonville for the Jaguars and the Jets. How impressive uh, were the Jaguars in person, particularly with Fournette not giving them a whole lot? He got re-injured in the game. He's not going to play this week. How impressed are you with Jacksonville watching them against the Jets? With or without Fournette, they've played well, nasty defense. What about the Jags? Uh, you know, I was shocked. You know, going into that game, I watched them against Tennessee, and they couldn't get a ball in the receiver's hands or do anything worth uh, worth a damn, really, to, to, to move the football. Uh, and then they come out, and they really scorched the defense of of the Jets with their passing game. You know, Blake Bortles has been the biggest Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde player that there is out there. And if he just doesn't mess it up, honestly, they got enough pieces on defense to, to keep every single game close and get them to the fourth quarter. So if he plays great or good, then they're hard to stop. If he plays okay but doesn't turn the ball over, they still have a great chance to win. So, you know, it's just really cutting down and minimizing his mistakes. He didn't make any at all 
versus the Jets, and then and that's kind of been the formula. And I'll tell you, Doug Marone's got them humming, and that defense, man, I'm telling you, there's, if you have an answer for one thing, then they'll beat you with another, and very rarely do you have an answer for one of those. So the defensive line sets the tone, and that's where really it, it changes the game for them. Yep, Jacksonville looking good. Uh, not looking so good was my Buccaneer defense. I'm part of the Buccaneer radio broadcast, and Anthony's been associated in and off the, the Bucks and radio coverage and Buccaneers.com for a lot of years. Wow. I don't know. How much do you credit the Bears and Trubisky for all those touchdowns? How much are you concerned with the Buccaneers secondary? I know that it's young, but uh, that that was a whitewash. I mean, if you're Chicago, you want to just you want to just keep rolling. It's a it's a bummer for them, for the for the Bears that you're not playing this week after that game last week. Wow. I would say that I would be excited about the one touchdown pass, the corner out that was contested by our Buccaneers secondary. Other than that, we gave them other, all those other touchdowns. And, you know, it was blown coverages, you know, young secondary, linebackers, guys not on the same page. And you know what? I'm okay with it happening once. You learn your lesson. When it happens twice, now, now you start getting mad as a coach and you start really getting into your players. But when it happens three, four, five times and in the same half versus the same formation, that's a problem. And, you know, I, rookies are in the NFL and playing on the field, you know, yeah, sometimes with injuries, but these guys are good enough to be on the field now. You've got to be able to adjust as a staff, as a team, to at least get guys in the spot. Then, if the Bears run it and they score, it better be a great catch. It better be earned. It better be something that they did that no matter where you were, you couldn't make the play. And that wasn't the case. And I think that's the most disappointing thing. I don't know if I've ever saw that with the Buccaneers, even with some of the defenses in the past that have struggled, uh, to not have and, and, and change something when, when you've seen it now and it's the same formation. Uh, that's hard to fathom. And I can't imagine watching that film was – was very uh, you know a very good time for them and I would be highly disappointed like Dirk Cutter was in his press conference and obviously you know the next game as they watch the film. Yep, they do have the the week off just like Chicago. They have the week off and then they'll play Atlanta. They'll go back to Jameis Winston. I want to ask you one more before you go. Uh, the Rams have been an amazing turnaround. They're in Seattle this weekend where the Seahawks are a seven-point underdog at home, by the way, for Three Dog Thursday purposes as we talk with Anthony Beck here. You were around. You were playing for the Buccaneers when John Gruden uh, was the coach, and Sean McVay was basically an intern, an assistant to the assistant, just cutting his teeth as a coach. What an amazing turnaround. This is me saying it. What do you see out of out of his coaching, uh, out of what he's gotten out of Jared Goff that that has made that situation so good so quickly with the L.A. Rams, Anthony? Well, one, I apologize because you know I thought he was too young and it'd be overwhelming for him and couldn't handle it. But I'll tell you, uh, this kid is as detailed as they come. He's as smart, and every person that he's been around, even when he was a GA, he soaked the knowledge in from every one of those coaches. And, and it speaks volumes because he is as dialed in as a coach as I've seen offensively. And I'll tell you, the one thing that has impressed me the most, and people have been shooting videos and asking him about it and doing this now the last couple of weeks, but his recollection and memory of past plays, past scenarios, of every snap that he's either called or been a part of as a coordinator or a head coach, is very vivid and clear in his mind. I don't know if he's got a photogenic memory, but talk about being a part of the of the, the way that you can attack and beat a team when you can go back in your mind and think and remember every scenario. I mean, it's amazing. People throw him five or six plays, and he remembers exactly what's going on, the time <laughs> in the game. I mean, I can't. I'm telling you, I played 10, 20,000 snaps in college and pros, and I could – I can't go back on all of them that, like that crystal clear. I mean, he didn't take the blues I have, but I'm pretty good as far as remembering things. But, man, that's something special, and that is a dangerous weapon, that, that mind that he has. So uh, the guys love him. The quarterback is obviously flourished with him. It's not necessarily teaching him how to play quarterback. It's about understanding and knowing situations. And I think I heard one of the linemen, uh, Whitworth, say he's not telling us what to do. He's telling us why we're doing it. And when you have an understanding of the offense, that's the, that's the all-time killer. And I think his coaching style right now 
that you couldn't pay uh, enough money to get him uh, leading your ship at, at his age. So he's going to be, uh, you're going to have to open up a new bank in, in California and figure out how to put his money away because he's going to get paid a lot with the success he's going to have. Oh, forward. it's unreal and golf's development unreal and the Rams are rolling. We'll see how long it continues for this season, but they certainly look good. This guy looks good when I see his mug on ESPN. Hey, uh, thank you for hanging out with me here, and I want you to plug your podcast. The Spit and Fire podcast with Anthony Beck is out. Tell the fans more about how they can hear you the same way they're hearing you right now with your own takes on everything football, the world of sports. Plug away. Yep, it's 30 minutes of me just spitting fire. That's what we called it. Uh, I drop it every Wednesday. Uh, you can go to SoundCloud. You can go to iTunes. You can go to my Twitter, Instagram, Facebook feed. Just look up my name. It's there. I'm verified. You'll see the check. And uh, you can check out Spit and Fire. And, again, just 30 minutes of me ranting on anything and everything that's a big topic in sports, uh, in football right now. Obviously, we're in football season, so we're attacking a lot of the big stories. And uh, it's been fun. It is a lot of fun to always be with Anthony Beck. Again, he's working Clemson Wake Forest this week. Check out the Spit and Fire podcast from him. Thank you for hanging with me on Three Dog Thursday, Mr. A.B. Anytime, Jake, my guy. We are seeking out those underdogs near and far, looking everywhere for them, and we stick with the college football theme and bring on a buddy of mine that I always love his insight when it comes to service academy football, whether we're talking about Army, Navy, or Air Force. He is Price Atkinson, the host of Yards and Stripes Service Academy Football. He is back with me because, oh, looky here, a little commander-in-chief trophy game, Colorado Springs, Navy, Air Force, good to have you, sir. Am I, am I to understand you will be OL on location for this matchup in Colorado Springs yourself as part of your podcast and your coverage, checking out Navy favored by three against Air Force? How are you, sir? You are correct. I'm doing great. I will be on site, Colorado Springs. I can report to you live Saturday that there shall be no grabbing or jerking at Falcon Stadium. <laughs> uh, Jimbo Fisher will be nowhere to be found. It should be a fantastic ball game, and I am fired up. First leg of the Commander-in-Chief trophy. This game, the last couple of years, has has not failed to deliver drama. I told some people last uh, last year, right after the game that was one of the most exciting best college football games i've seen in years last year when navy who was ahead by i think 21 points finds himself down with 50 seconds to go no timeouts having to throw the throw talking navy not run throw the football with about 50 seconds left go the length of the field zach Avey finds tyler Carmona back in the end zone touchdown two seconds left phenomenal theater and that's even including a couple national championship games we've witnessed together the last few years i mean last year army or excuse me air force and navy was fantastic i expect more of the same saturday at 3 30 p.m eastern standard time in the springs yeah should be a lot of fun to watch this game now this is a navy team that lost early at hawaii and for three dog thursday purposes i have to confess i did have the rainbow warriors on the show for yep. that one but navy bounced back and they beat memphis uh they had another win they lost controversially a couple of weeks ago on a late touchdown two-point conversion with no time left against smu they've now had a week off Navy, the road favorite in this game. Air Force has lost a couple of conference games, but they're coming back home. I, you know, look, I didn't take them in our first segment on Three Dog Thursday, but I kind of like Air Force here as the home underdog. Price, do they have a real puncher's chance in this game? Well, they definitely got a more than a puncher's chance. I mean, they are Air Force is trying to find themselves, and it's been. In a lot of ways, a lifeless Troy Calhoun team the last two years where they continue to find themselves down by, I'm talking three and four touchdown deficits in the second half before waking up. If they can avoid that on Saturday and come out and punch Navy in the mouth, I I don't think there's any doubt that they win. Although Navy trying to figure themselves out a little bit, not quite as much, but they've got quarterback issues too with Malcolm Perry, who was in concussion protocol, got knocked out of the SMU game. Uh, Zach Avey is questionable with an ankle injury. How about this? In the last game, Navy was down to their four-string quarterback. They actually played four quarterbacks in that loss to SMU. The, they lost 31-30 to in overtime. 
Most are expected back except for A.B. He's questionable, but, you know, if Malcolm Perry, the big question for Navy this year, can Malcolm Perry stay healthy? So far the answer has been no because he's electric with the ball in his hands. I'm just curious to see what kind of wrinkles that Navy might throw because I think that's a big thing. Navy had the week off last week. What wrinkles do they come up with this week on, on Saturday relating to the quarterbacks, what they try and do? Because last year Air Force was surprised when Navy came out and basically was running zone option like New Mexico State instead of their traditional, you know, under center. It was it was really a different look. So that's another big question I got is what wrinkles does Navy give? But man, I mean you you're on the road as a road favorite. It's hard. I mean, it's really hard not to like Air Force in this game even while still trying to find themselves. I mean, I think this is a this is it's a three point spread, I believe, the last I saw. This could I I mean it easily could be a one point game. This is going to be close down to the wire, TJ Reeves. All right. So again, this man is on it. Price Atkinson, Yards and Stripes is the name of the podcast. Yards and Stripes to find him. Who else do you have on the podcast? What do you got for this week in addition to previewing this game? What else is coming up on the podcast this week? Plug away. Well, how about yours truly, you in particular, coming to my turf on Yards and Stripes to talk a little bit of the underdoggy magic and what could potentially be on Saturday. So that's always a pleasure to have you on my turf as it is to come on yours. So I really appreciate you joining me this week. And also, Navy play-by-play voice announcer Pete Medhurst, 106.165, the sports junkies in Washington, D.C., WFA and the fan. Uh, the voice of the mids, I mean, he's always great, uh, great insight. He's delivered some fantastic calls this year. It was great to catch up with him and, you know, kind of get a little insight inside the huddle with the mids after that week off. So, yeah, another great episode, including the, our Travis Manion Foundation honor roll segment at the very end, which is honestly, it's my favorite. I don't say favorite for that specific meaning, but my favorite part of the podcast every week on Yards and Strikes because we honor that fallen hero who has who has given the ultimate sacrifice to our country and i i think that's the times we t- we got to take a step back sometimes and remember that you know football is fun it's awesome but it's not life it's not death yeah well and and he does a fantastic job price does uh, breaking it down and then also giving you those stories those updates the fallen heroes the different people that come on his program uh, to talk service academy football and, and look for this navy team if they find a way to win this game they're in the mix to play notre dame coming up in a few weeks at notre dame they also play ucf who's unbeaten right now at the time we're talking at orlando so navy's going to be involved in some prominent games if they can get a win but i think you hear price and me both say i did not take them for three dog thursday but price and i are both saying here that uh, watch out for Air Force in this matchup, and you will be there. You've been there before. You'll be at Colorado Springs. This should be wild uh, to be there in person. Just real quick, one more time for the matchup. Yeah, I can't wait. I mean, it, it is a fantastic setting for college football. If you've never been to Falcon Stadium, it's gorgeous. I mean, it'll be packed. They've got numerous flyover schedule. If you're looking for a good game at 3.30 on CBS Sports Network, I mean, it is going – this one, it, it rarely fails to deliver. I can't wait to see the pageantry. I can't wait to see the tailgates. I can't wait to see how many midshipmen make the trip out there. Uh, obviously, you've got the uh, the cadets at Air Force. I mean, just the overall military pageantry, first leg commander-in-chief trophy, it is just fantastic. It's just fantastic theater and, you know, college football at its purest tj well it's going to be a lot of fun to watch all of that unfold again yards and stripes is the podcast for price atkinson check him out uh through vsporto.com also check him out as well uh, via itunes and stitcher yards and stripes is the podcast talking service academy football thank you sir you are a saint i love it as always tj Dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. We are back in one more time with Senior Handicapper from VegasInsider.com. Kevin Rogers hit two of his underdogs a week ago. Uh, By the way, I should make mention to the audience that you and I have hit at least one 
college underdog each. How about this? At least one college underdog each for the last four weeks. There have been several weeks where we've hit more than one of them. So that's the college picks. Now we've got to pick up the pace a little bit on the NFL. Just by math, you gave us one college underdog. You're going to have two more coming here for the NFL. Before you get to your first underdog, I want to talk to you about the L.A. Rams. We made mention with Anthony Beck a little while ago about the job Sean McVay has done uh, coming in and, and turning them immediately around into a playoff team. He's resurrected Jared Goff with the way that he's looked. Kevin, give me a thought or two. Uh, Goff, the NFC Offensive Player of the Week, played brilliantly last Thursday against the Vikings on Thursday night football at the Coliseum. What about the Rams and the job that McVay has done to this point, including a 4-0 start? Well, when you look at Jared Goff, when he had Jeff Fisher as his coach, and obviously you know, Goff you know, was still young, he was a rookie, that people were wondering this guy was draft number one, and then all of a sudden he gets in, he gets some playing time, Fisher's gone, and then McVay comes in, and all of a sudden now Jared Goff is one of the top quarterbacks in the league. That's pretty amazing. At turnaround, I mean, watching some of that Rams-Vikings game last week, you know, you see these guys wide open, uh, you know, and some of the throws that Goff made, and it's pretty impressive that they will definitely be a fun team. And now that that NFC West is a little beat up and battered, that the Rams should go 6-0 in the division and pretty much get at least a first-round bye. You know, the way things are going with them, as long as everybody's healthy, the Rams will be a top-two team in the NFC. It is scary the weapons that they have, and it, it just it demonstrates again coaching matters in sports in the NFL, the NBA, uh, even on a managerial side in baseball or, or the National Hockey League, or on and on. You can be dramatically better with better coaching. Jared Goff fundamentally was a poor quarterback with Jeff Fisher and his staff. He lacked confidence. McVay has come in and, and he plays with confidence. He throws with confidence with the scheme. Uh, man, oh man, I mean, they're killing people with the play action and the bootlegs with Todd Gurley and the misdirection with the different stuff they're doing. Um, it's amazing, and again, they haven't won anything. They didn't win the playoff game last year at home with Atlanta. They haven't they haven't won playoff games, much less a Super Bowl. But they look like an outstanding team right now. We'll see if it continues uh, as we go along here. All right. So off of a week last weekend where you told us, hey, watch out for the Cincinnati Bengals, and the Bengals went to Atlanta and won the game. Amazingly, for all the success Atlanta's had, that is now five straight losses to an AFC team at home. And you had that last week. So kudos for your pick on Three Dog Thursday. Where do you want to begin this week, Kevin Rogers, to give us two underdogs? Where are you beginning here in the NFL? Well, we'll begin with the Bengals, except we're going against the Bengals this week. They are hosting the Dolphinos in Cincinnati. And the Dolphins look pretty bad against the Patriots. And the Patriots will do that, A, when they're off a two-game losing streak, and B, when they play the Dolphins in Foxborough. That the Dolphins have won twice in New England since Tom Brady's gotten there. And those two games, I believe Tom Brady has played one or two series because the first loss was in 05 in Week 17, and the other loss was the Wildcat game in 2007. Uh, I meant 2005 and 2007. Right. And in 2007, Brady had torn his ACL, or 2008, rather. I'm Correct. Sorry, 2007 Correct. Was the one in 15 year. 2008, excuse me, uh, was the year that Brady tore his ACL against the Chiefs in week one. Two weeks later, Ronnie Brown, Wildcat, ran all over the Patriots. So basically, when Tom Brady plays a full game, he's going to beat the Dolphins in Foxborough. <laughs> so that's what happened last week. So the Dolphins suffered their first loss. Now they go to Cincinnati. And we look at the Bengals and what they've done, that they had their last second win against the Falcons. They had a comeback against the Colts in week one. They jumped out to a big lead over the Ravens in week two, and they stubbed their foot against Carolina in week three. Now, the thing about the Dolphins is that they've had some close victories so far, but still I think this is a good spot for them because everyone's really down on them after losing to New England, and everyone's really high on Cincinnati. The Bengals' offense is clicking, but also defensively they've, they've been ripped up a little bit in some of these games. I think the Dolphins bounce back this week, and I think they hang with the Bengals. Well, and, and Cincinnati's tight end, uh, Tyler Eifert, suffered the gruesome ankle injury, was having a very productive game last week in Atlanta, but they've got A.J. Green. Uh, they, they've got outstanding uh, running back play from Mixon and Giovanni Bernard uh, in combination. So they're very optimistic right now in what is a wide-open NFC North. The Ravens look good. But the Bengals also look good. The Steelers kind of floundering around after the Ravens beat them the other night. 
We'll see if Miami – can Miami get the run game going a little bit? They've had the big play, but Kenyon Drake has almost disappeared. I know you're in South Florida as we tape this show. Is there is there some concern? I know there's a lot of fantasy owners uh, that are wondering about Kenyon Drake and whether he's he got three carries for three yards last week. Can Miami get the run game going? Do you think that'll be part of this potential upset here that they start running the ball? Well – that would help. And also your backup running back who scored the only touchdown last week is Frank Gore. So you see if maybe Frank Gore gets in the mix, who knows, but I'll throw out a stat to you. You know, you like the stat. I love it. That since last season, okay, beginning of last season, teams that were listed as an underdog after playing the Patriots in 2017, they were four and one straight up and 4-0-1 against the spread, okay? The only team that's been in that situation so far this year is Detroit, who covered in last week's loss against Dallas. They lost in the final seconds. Now the Dolphins are in this spot. They're an underdog after facing the Patriots. So normally these teams, they rise to the occasion. So hopefully that trend continues and the Dolphins cover. Listen to this man, and this is why we love the information he gives us on Three Dog Thursday and from VegasInsider.com. I mean, you got to have some time to dive deep to get that kind of stat that after a loss to the Patriots, if you're an underdog the next week, and the trend would now be, what, 5-0-1 with the Lions going back to last season if you're an underdog the following week to cover the spread. So he's honed in on Miami against Cincinnati. I like well, it. Well, one correction, sure. sorry, one correction is that it's, if you played them, it doesn't matter what you did the previous week. If you played them and then you're an underdog. There you go. Okay, so if you played the Patriots the previous week and you're an underdog the following week, which that is what Miami is, and you're going against the Bengals there, I love those kind of numbers. Keep that keep that filed away. And who told you midweek about the Dolphins against the Bengals? So we'll find out uh, on that front. All right, so now it is my duty to give you an underdog. This will be my third one. Kevin's got one more coming. And I after all of this... Uh, fawning all over Sean McVay and the Rams. Something just says to me that Seattle, with a lot of people counting them out, will find a way to beat the Rams uh, in this instance. I'm calling an outright upset for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks in this matchup uh, with the Rams, who, again, have had 10 days off since the win at the Coliseum. I know the whole Earl Thomas thing. I mean, it is getting a lot of attention, not only nationally, but especially in the Pacific Northwest. I have friends and relatives up there. It is all that has been talked about for the last two or three days is his injury, the obscene gesture, the the number one salute he gave to the Seattle sideline after he had been holding out for a new contract, came back in and then ends up breaking his leg, and and this is the final year of his deal, and now he has to hit free agency as an injured player. I think Pete Carroll rallies the troops here. They're not the same defensively, but they've still got some weapons on offense. Russell Wilson at home. I I will take Seattle here in those points, and I think they've got a great chance to win this game. I'll take the seven points with the Seahawks. We, We haven't seen the Rams really face a lot of adversity. Keep in mind, they played their opening game at Oakland, but then they played the next three at the Coliseum. So now this is the first road game since the Oakland opening Monday night game. I will take Seattle and, and those points with everyone. We're kind of going with the theme this week, Kevin, of count everybody out, count Nebraska out, count Texas out in the Red River rivalry. You know, you're saying count the Dolphins. Everybody's saying count the Dolphins out because Cincinnati looks good. I'm saying everybody's forgetting that Seattle has Russell Wilson and they're at home. And I know the Rams have clobbered them a couple of times. They clobbered them last year with McVay's first season at Seattle. But I will, I will take the Seahawks here to find a way and to win this game. So... There we go. Uh, there we go with that much matchup. All right. So one more underdog from you, sir, to close it out. Give me another NFL underdog and why. I'm going to go with the Los Angeles slash Oakland Raiders slash Las Vegas slash coming to yeah. a city near you. Yes. Go ahead. Yes, going to uh, L.A. this week to play the the Chargers, who should just be named the Chargers, and I've been associated with L.A. because no one goes to their games. They're just a team without a country, like Chevy Chase said in Fletch. You know? <laughs> so I think that they just, you know, the, the Chargers, they're 2-2, two and two, and this is a team that a lot of people were propping up that could win the AFC West this year. And obviously we've seen what the Chiefs have done with Patrick Mahomes in the first four weeks, which includes a win over the Chargers in week one. And really, when you look at what L.A. has done, 
they've beaten Buffalo, who's terrible, and they've beaten San Francisco, who's without their franchise quarterback, in a game that the Niners had a chance to win last week, a very good chance to win. So, and the Chargers lost to, I mean, they lost two good teams, the Chiefs and Rams. So I'm not going to take that away, but their two wins are over dogs. So now they play the Raiders, who, you know what? In the NFL, yes, it's the easiest league that should have, would have, could have league. That the Raiders should have beat the Broncos. They should have beat the Dolphins. Probably should have lost to the Browns last week in that crazy overtime game. Yeah, what and about there were some that? Calls that went, yeah, that went in Oakland's favor. But regardless, even in overtime, the Raiders missed a field goal and they still end up winning in the end with a field goal. So they still won their two and two, and or one and three rather. So you would think that maybe this win gets them kind of going. They were swept by the Chargers last year. I just look at it as Oakland has been there in these games and their only losses to the Rams, who we just talked about, as basically a borderline elite team in this league. So the Chargers just really haven't sold me on, on them taking the next step. We know they have Phillip Rivers. He's been there forever. But yet this team, is they're just not very convincing. It feels like they're still stuck in that 8-8, eight 7-9, and 9-7 eight, and and world. And the Raiders who have been better than probably their record indicates, I think they hang in this one and one and shock me if they won. Well, and Melvin Gordon uh, has been fantastic at running back, and you go back to that call at the end of regulation where it looked like Carlos Hyde had gotten the first down, and Kevin, I know you know about this play, but uh, they, they reviewed it and they ended up overturning it out of the command center in New York and said he was down short of the line to gain. The significance was, had they given them the first down, they could have knelt, the Raiders were out of timeouts. They could have knelt on the ball, would have ended the game. Instead, it's fourth down. Uh, he doesn't make it. The Raiders get the ball. Now the Raiders go to the other end. They get the game tied, get the two-point conversion. Uh, great job by Derek Carr in the waning moments. And again, the Raiders were staring right in the abyss of being 0-4. They get that win, and I could see them getting some confidence. They have forever owned Southern California whenever they would play in L.A. or play in San Diego against the Chargers. There are a ton of Raider fans in Southern California. It would not surprise me, Kevin, if they end up in that 30,000-seat stadium having half the stadium or more being Raider fans against the Chargers. It would almost be like a Raider home game on Sunday. So I like this pick. Uh, with uh, with Carr and, and the Raiders. And again, this is probably a shootout against Rivers and company. And Rivers has the tendency, and he did it last week. He had a fourth-quarter interception again last week. He has an, a tendency to throw second-half and fourth-quarter interceptions. I could see a big one coming in this game, and the Raiders find a way, and they took the ball away some last week from Baker Mayfield with a couple of picks. Let's see if Oakland can get that game for you for Three Dog Thursday purposes. All right, so we'll go over the underdogs again in a second. But again, you make mention of the fact that it is such a busy time with the baseball playoffs starting as well as the college and NFL football, everything else that's happening and cranking up. So go ahead and plug away for uh, everything that you have at the disposal of the user, of the person that's interested in all the information at VegasInsider.com, sir. Yeah, it's a very busy time right now. Major League Baseball playoffs underway. It's not Locktober, it's Rocktober in Colorado. <laughs> we call it Locktober here in our show. But uh, yeah, basically baseball playoffs are underway. Also, the NHL season now is underway. NBA starts up in less than two weeks. NFL is going. College football is going. Even CFL is going. So all of that is right now. We're all trying to digest it. And you know what? That means plenty of games to wager on, plenty of opinions out there. You can check us out at Vegas Insider. We have all the college football content for Saturday. We have all of our NFL content for not only the Thursday night games, but also Sunday and Monday this week at Saints Redskins Monday night. So we have a lot going on. You can check us out at TwitVI on the Twitterverse. So we have all of that going on. It's a very busy time of year, and we're staying on top of everything. And you can always follow this man at V.I. Rogers for Vegas Insider. V.I. Rogers for him. Follow this show at Three Dog Thursday. Kevin again going with Nebraska as a large underdog against Wisconsin. He's got his reasons on that one. The Dolphins and the Oakland Raiders in the NFL. I've got Texas in the Red River rivalry game with Oklahoma. 
Virginia Tech in that huge showdown with Notre Dame. Again, you may be listening later in the weekend. You already know how smart or how dumb these college picks were. And then I'll take the Seattle Seahawks against the Rams with everybody doting all over the Rams. I think Seattle at home in that raucous environment with Russell Wilson will find a way, and I'll take those seven points for them. So those are our underdogs for this week. My thanks to Anthony Becht for being with us, ESPN College Football Analyst. He's working the Clemson-Wake Forest game at Wake Forest for this weekend. Also, uh, thanks to Price Atkinson popping on real quick. Yards and Stripes is the name of his podcast, Service Academy Football. He was talking that Army or I'm sorry, that Air Force uh, Navy game in Colorado Springs where Navy is the road favorite. If it, if it happens with Army, Air Force, Navy football, Commander-in-Chief's trophy, Yards and Stripes podcast, my thanks to Price for being with me on that. Kevin, thank you. Good luck with your underdogs. We will talk to you next week, sir. All right, TJ, thank you. There is Kevin Rogers. I'm TJ Reeves. Again, whether you found us through RadioInfluence.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, rate the show, rank the show, promote it through social media, more people will find out about the only digital radio show devoted exclusively to underdogs. It is Three Dog Thursday. Enjoy the football. Bye. This is a Landry football with Chris Landry. Quick fix on Radio Influence. Folks, with the limited number of time in pads, just think about this for a second. And this is something that you're not exposed to because you're watching games on weekends. But keep in mind, with a limited number of practices, the further you get into the season, the more practices you have under your belt. Football is a practice game. Okay, football is about practice. Baseball, basketball, hockey, it's about the games. Football, it's about practice. Practice dictates the game. And so the more practices, the more work, the more repetition, the better you get. The better coach teams get better as the year goes along. That's why teams, you know, like a New England just gets better and better as the year goes along, and they're not as good in the early part of the year. doesn't mean that if you play well early, you're not a well-coached team. It's just can you get better? Can you adjust to people making adjustments to you? Can you have that answer? Can you sustain? Can you continue to excel? Because remember, you never stay the same, right? You either get better or you get worse. Make a note of that as you're watching these games and these teams as to how how much are they getting better. That's what you want to see. And that applies to college as well. But it's more and more the case in today's modern football world where you have less and less time hitting in the offseason and preparation for the season, the early part of the season is more conducive to mistakes. And and as you get into the season, there's just more practice. Chris Landry brings you Landry football every week on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and, of course, RadioInfluence.com.